Welcome to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Today, what we're doing is we're looking at God of the Universe. And we're going to get things going in a pretty weird way. Please bear with me. We're going to touch on a few different things that may seem a bit peculiar, but we are heading somewhere with this. So over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about God, we're going to talk about the universe, we're going to be talking about science. The reason we're going to be doing this is because Christmas is like our biggest month of the year. Christmas is where it goes off the chart for churches. People will listen online that will never listen online. People and friends that we have will say yes to coming to visit that would never say yes to coming to visit. So when we look back at City Hill over all the talks we've done online, all the recordings, the ones that get played the most are the ones where we talk about God and science and the ones where we talk about sex and actually science beats sex. I couldn't believe it, otherwise we'd be talking about a really sexy Christmas right about now, but science won. So we're going to be talking about, about science, about God, about the universe. Um, let me just go. Hey, you all right? Yeah, all right. Cool. No, no worries. Yeah. So today what we're talking about is we're talking about the universe is no longer eternal. The universe had a beginning. So science used to say that the universe was eternal. It was like they pitched their tent opposite. They chose a strategic position away from what the church narrative was, the Genesis narrative of an origin, of a beginning, of a creation story. So they put forward the idea that the universe never had a beginning, that it always existed and it was always there, which is kind of weird. So science started its story without a beginning. The universe was eternal. This was until they observed otherwise. So Edwin Hubble observed that the universe is expanding. This is universe shattering. But not everyone took quickly or kindly to the idea um, to embracing it. So astronomer Frederick Hoyle, Hoyle, Hoyle said he, he was so opposed to the idea that he spoke about it in a really derisory manner. So when the idea was being put forward and he was discussing the idea, he did a throwaway comment to mock it, to ridicule it. Um, quite sarcastically, he called it something that would never catch on. He called that idea a big bang which he thought was kind of a mocking idea that made it so unfeasible and and, and laughed at and scoffed at it, it actually ended up sticking. And so today when science talks about everything existing, it talks about it coming from a big bang. It talks about it having a starting point, which is completely different to the initial position they took up. Um, But then when we talk about these things, actually it's ultimately irrelevant whichever theory you choose to go with or which position you choose to take because... um, Michio Kaku said it best when he described these things in a discussion where he was advocating and arguing science against a group of American Christian leaders. And he said, it's undecidable. He said, my prediction is that in 100 years' time, on this exact day, in this exact same event, we'll be meeting here to have the exact same conversation and nothing will have moved. Because this is undecidable. Because the irony is they've chosen a position initially that was just position in stark contrast, but actually these things are irrelevant whichever positions you end up taking. When communicating about the origins of the universe and the origins of everything in existence, um, science talks with absolute certainty in the language it uses. It chooses very choice words to describe and speak with authority on its origins. But then when the conversation changes from the origin of the universe to actually talking about the universe itself, The whole language, the whole rhetoric shifts and it becomes one of absolute uncertainty. So the idea of where everything came from is spoken of with certainty, but the actual matter of fact of what everything is, is spoken about with complete uncertainty. For example, this. Here's a statement recently in New Scientist magazine. We don't know what 96% of the universe is. 
we don't know what 96%, like I'm not good at maths, I've never been good at maths, but I'll go on and put my money behind this one. 96% is not very reassuring for me. That is a heck of a lot. I'm not even convinced now that you really know about the 4%. I'm not. That is so much knowledge that you don't possess. I'm now not convinced you even possess the 4% because I'm not convinced that you don't know there's more than that. So hey, that's my position. And then the universe is 25% dark matter. A quarter of the universe is dark matter. But we're not quite sure what dark matter is. I don't know about you, but it's not, it's not all that reassuring. But... We are certain we know how that which we don't know what 96% of us is, how it came to be. I don't know how that one works either. Like I said, I was never good at maths. So that for me is like a shotgun to my brain. I have no understanding and no comprehension of that. So we talk about the universe is not eternal. The universe was eternal. There was this seismic shift in science that looked at the universe now having a beginning. But actually the universe is not alone. Neither is man. Man doesn't live forever. We have cells, cells die. And there's only really two reasons for that. But we're going to read through something in the Genesis narrative. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 3. And the serpent speaking to the woman, Eve, at the tree. Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of any of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said you shall not eat the fruit of that tree in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. We talked about that verse a few weeks ago, which I absolutely love. So it's in Genesis 3 and it's in um, verse 3. You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And one of the things the rabbi said about it, which I thought was so good, is they said, when you add to God's word, you subtract from it. So Eve, God never said to her, you can't touch the fruit. Never said that. Never, never said that. As soon as you start adding to God's word, you end up taking away from God's word. You never actually add value to what he said. You just remove value from it. It creates an air of uncertainty. It creates a foundation that you stand on that doesn't bear your weight. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and that he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they end up going away to hide. So from that moment in in the kind of like narrative of this story and this passage and what it's talking about is this kind of like this entering in of death, this this absolute seismic shift. We talk about seismic shift and how science looks at the universe, that initially they said it was eternal and nowadays um, the, the, the shift has changed to a creation, a point, a big bang, shall we say. They've taken that shift. Um, that it doesn't always exist forever. And also the idea is that actually because it's expanding outwards, there comes a point where the expansion will cease and then it will come back in on itself. That's the idea of kind of the end of the universe as, as they currently speak about it. But then it's not just a case where the universe isn't eternal and the universe passes away, but actually we pass away. We die. Everyone dies. Every human being dies. There's been no human being. This just kept on going, going like, hey guys, look at me, look at me. I'm just still here. I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no Elton John sing-alongs um, for, for eternity. You, you die. We all die. And when we look at that, one of two things causes cells to die. Something happens to them that causes death or they terminate themselves. Generally, they terminate themselves for good reason. 
um, because something has happened to them or because of a situation. But we don't always know why they, they, they terminate and why they have to, why they can't continue doing what they always do. But the reason, I guess, is not too dissimilar to God's own reasoning, um, which is in chapter 3 of Genesis. Then the Lord said, Behold, man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. At least now he reach out his hand and also take the tree of life and live forever in this same sinful state. Therefore the Lord sent him out of Eden so to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out man at the east of the garden of Eden. He placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the tree of life. So maybe there's an angel with an off switch <laughs> at the cellular level or a flaming sword, whichever you want to go with. But the question comes, but who wants to live forever? So the universe was meant to be eternal, it's meant to exist forever. Who wants to live forever? Do you want to live forever? Do I want to live forever? I don't know if I could take this forever. <laughs> I had both my little girls yesterday while Jodie was out, and Ari was like, I am refusing to have any, um, any of this formula that I was trying to give her. I tell you what, I would not have wanted to perpetually live in the state of not being able to give her formula for the rest of my life. I would have been like, geez, will these cells not terminate themselves quickly? I'm out of here. I'm done. Um, so who wants to live forever? But it comes down and leads us to this, this place that, that kind of interested me because actually we talk about the universe having a beginning. It has an end. We have a beginning. We have an end. We have this middle bit in the middle. And actually what determines the question of whether we live forever comes around to a number of different things. So I want to read from John 15 for a second. So if you want to have a look in the, in the app, geez, in the Bible. Um, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because the word that I have spoken abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is the branch that, that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words are in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. The disciple is one who chooses to be a follower of Jesus and to receive the words that he has. I want to stop with one more scientific thing that I want to read to you quickly. Quantum entanglement is a physical phenomenon that occurs when pairs or groups of particles are generated or interact in ways such that a quantum state of each particle cannot be described independently of others. Even when the particles are separated by a large distance, instead, a quantum state must be described for the system as a whole. I believe that when we become entangled with Jesus, when we become a disciple, a follower of Jesus, there becomes this shift that can take place within us. I believe that what happens is that when Jesus ascended to the Father, he said, I'm sending a helper, the Holy Spirit, to come and to live, to dwell in, to transform us from the inside out. I believe this kind of entanglement kind of takes place. I believe that this seismic shift, Jesus described it another way in Matthew 16. He said, I will build my church. I will build my ecclesia, my, my called out group of people. And the gates of hell um, shall not prevail against it. Morning. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
then he strictly charged disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So he reveals who he is and straight away he says, I'm giving you the keys. I'm making you a part of this. You're coming entangled in this, that just as I saw my father doing what my father did and whatever he did, I did here on earth, whatever I saw him doing, whatever I heard him saying, Jesus says, I got involved in. You guys, I'm giving you the keys now. I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you the role in this, that you become entangled in the same mission as what I'm doing. You see what happens with, so when we talk about in quantum entanglement, what happens is this, is it says that even if you separate the two particles by long, long distances, if one of them is changed, the other one reflects the change. They could be on the other side of the world, but these two particles are entangled. So you, one moves and changes, the other one will reflect that change across the other side of the globe without us being able to see any form of communication taking place for us to witness. But he says this is how he's going to build his church. So there's going to be this state where you and I become such stakeholders in the mission, in the kingdom that he's created, that actually when Jesus makes a shift and makes a move, we make a shift and we make a move because he's building his church. And he says that it's through this entanglement, that this state that's created, that even the gates of Gehenna, even the gates of hell, cannot stand against it. Because you see, the idea is if we're entangled with him, Paul talks about it in a different way. He says about the first fruits of those risen from the dead, that if the first fruits is holy, the rest is holy. If Christ is risen, the rest will be risen. That death, where is your sting? Because Christ is risen, he's resurrected, he's overcome the grave, he's overcome sin, he's overcome death. And those who are entangled with Christ, um, it changes. So the question is, who wants to live forever? Because the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's when we're entangled in him. It's when we're found in Christ. For as in Adam, the story we started with, all die, so also in Christ, all shall be made alive. The story in in Genesis, in the narrative in chapter 3, and the story in the Gospels in the New Testament is the same story. And what we have in the first narrative is we have a group of two people becoming entangled with the wrong person and it leading to death and death reigning in mankind. The gospel and the good news is that Christ has come and that we can be entangled in him. And that actually as he moves, we move. And that's why when Jesus said to Peter, follow me, and when Peter was in the boat and the 12 were freaking out and the boat was going to sink and he saw his Lord walk in the water, the reason Peter said, if it's you, tell me to come, is because the relationship between a rabbi and a disciple is this, that if the teacher does it, then the disciple can do it. So if if the teacher calls you to follow him, he's saying you can be as I am. He would not allow you to be a disciple if he did not believe you could be as he was. And so when Peter sees him, he's entangled with Jesus. I'm stepping out. I'm stepping out of faith. He knows it's not what he does, but he knows it's who he's entangled with. It's not what you and I do, it's who we're entangled with. And it's down as specifically as this. If you want to entangle yourself with death, you're going to reap death. You're going to experience death. If that's what you want to be associated with. I don't know about you and I. I want to live forever. I don't want to live forever like this. I gladly will welcome death. I would gladly welcome death. I don't want to exist like this for the rest of my life. Jeez, it's painful. It's hard. It's tough. But my hope goes beyond the grave. My hope goes to Jesus and that I will be like him because he has chosen to be entangled with me. And he who knew no sin became sin itself and died on the cross. And we experienced resurrection because of it. I'm going to pray for us today and that's going to be the end of our first um, part of this new series. Father God, I thank you that you are in the form of God, but you did not regard equality with God, a thing to be grasped or held onto, but you let go and emptied yourself, became in the likeness of men and became obedient to God even to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, you have the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord to the glory of God the Father, because we will be like you, because we 
will be holy because you are holy. We will be risen because you are risen. We will be different because you are different. We will think different because you think different. We will move differently because you move differently. We won't make ourselves the end goal and gain of our life, but the community and those in the sphere of influence around us. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you meet with us today? Maybe for some of us, we don't feel too entangled to you, Lord. Your word says if we draw near to God, God will draw near to us in James. I pray, Lord, that we would draw near to you this morning, that we would become more and more entangled with you, that we would move as you move, and that you would use us as agents of change within our communities and our sphere of influence in our families, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. you enjoyed today's message and if you'd like to find out more about city hill please visit our website cityhill.london